Welcome back to the Evidence-Based Rheumatology Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and this is episode 71, the impact of temporary methotrexate discontinuation for two weeks on immunogenicity of seasonal influenza vaccination in patients with rheumatoid arthritis, a randomized clinical trial. Now, I'm talking about this for obvious reasons. I think that one of the most common questions that we are getting these days from our patients with rheumatic diseases is what should we do about the COVID vaccine? Unfortunately, there is really no data to guide this question, but we do have this data for methotrexate and the flu, and I really love this paper and figured it would be worth talking about today. Now, for background, vaccinations are important. They're easy to get, they have relatively few, if any, side effects, and they prevent horrible infectious diseases. They've been one of the greatest advances of medical care in the past couple centuries, and they're something that I think that we all believe in and want to do as well as we can. Now, there's evidence that taking immunosuppressants, predictably, would reduce your response to vaccinations, and this is true in methotrexate and rheumatoid arthritis. So to that end, this group of investigators decided to check in a prospective multi-center randomized investigator-blinded interventional study whether or not holding methotrexate would result in a better immune response to a vaccination. This is a very nice study. It's a useful question, and I just love investigator-initiated trials. They follow closely behind comparative effectiveness trials in things that I think we should be doing much more of. Now, this was conducted at three tertiary medical centers in South Korea. Patients who got into the trial had to have rheumatoid arthritis, but not just rheumatoid arthritis, and this is where things get important. They had to be on the same dose of methotrexate for six weeks or longer, and when you look at them, they're essentially all in low disease activity. Exclusion criteria were essentially anyone who couldn't get a vaccination, plus anyone who had their rheumatoid arthritis treatments changed in the preceding time. Anyone on methotrexate for other diseases was also excluded. If you met inclusion criteria to get into the trial, you would either continue methotrexate after you got the seasonal flu vaccination, or you would discontinue methotrexate for two weeks after vaccination. They wisely conducted a couple pilot studies, so they actually had some rationale for believing that holding this two weeks afterwards would make sense. From a pathophysiologic perspective, that also makes sense. Your body develops the immune response after you get the vaccination. So you think that trying to not suppress your immune system during the time that you're developing the immune response would be the most important time period. From a practical perspective, this is also just wonderful. It's very hard for patients to time methotrexate holding in relation to a vaccination, but it's very easy when a patient comes in to get a vaccination to say, hold for two weeks afterwards. It's straightforward, it's user-friendly, and there was pilot data and a pathophysiologic rationale. Nice job for the investigators. Now we know the intervention, so what were we measuring? Well, at week zero and at week four, they checked serum from patients who were in the trial, and they checked antibody titers against each of the four influenza strains that were part of the vaccination. The primary outcome measure was a satisfactory vaccine response. Ooh-wee. You always love it when you have a trial introduce a concept you have never thought of before. What exactly is a satisfactory vaccine response? Now, critically, and this is another thing I love about this trial, they defined that before they had seen the data. Whenever you invent a brand new primary outcome measure, you should be doing it before the data is collected. Because if you do it afterwards, it really introduces the possibility that you just fish around until you find one that works. They didn't do that. They said, a priori, we are going to count a vaccine response that is greater than or equal to a fourfold increase in antibody titers at four weeks in two or more of the influenza vaccine antigens as a satisfactory response. That seems reasonable to me. They're basically saying, you know, you need to have a couple of them respond. You need to increase by this amount. Uh, I like it. 
They had a number of secondary outcome measures that I am not as interested in, but they also did include incidents of influenza infection during the 2016 to 2017 season, which is the thing that we actually really care about. Patients were allowed to get rescue medications, um, Tylenol, NSAIDs, or prednisone uh, for RA flares. The trial was analyzed in a modified intention to treat population, and that is about it for the design. Straightforward, makes sense, it's testing something we want to see. They enrolled 320 patients, evenly distributed between groups. All patients received the vaccine. As far as who these patients were, the majority were female, about 83%. The mean age was 52. So they're typical of your sort of stable RA population. Most people had never smoked. About four in five had RF um, or CCP positivity. DAS28 scores, like I mentioned earlier, were low, uh, 2.2 and 2.3. So everyone was essentially in low disease activity. Everyone in the trial, by definition, was on methotrexate. There were a couple other medications, so hydroxychloroquine, leflunamide were also given to about 1 in 5. There were a few on biological DMARDs, um, you know, 7% to 8% on TNFs. Overall, though, this wasn't a population that was on multiple DMARDs or requiring biological DMARDs. They're essentially methotrexate plus a little something people. And not only that, they're methotrexate plus a little something people who were well-controlled. What did they wind up seeing? Well, with regard to the primary endpoint, which remember was the satisfactory response, a fourfold increase in titer in two out of the four antigens. In the methotrexate hold group, 75.5% met this at four weeks. In the continue group, 54.5% met this. That's a difference of around 20% or a number needed to treat of five. So you needed to hold methotrexate in five patients to bring about a satisfactory vaccination response in one of them. That seems worth it to me. That's not a lot of people that you have to hold methotrexate in in order to result in a meaningfully improvement in antibody titers. Now, because they did essentially make up this endpoint from whole cloth, they looked at a couple other ways to look at it. What about one and four titers, three and four titers, all four titers? You know, across the board, the results were about the same. Number needed to treat of around five. Critically, in the follow-up period of one year, essentially nobody got the flu. They had one patient in the methotrexate whole group and three patients in the methotrexate continue group. That is obviously not statistically significant or really a number that is very meaningful to me. They did see some patients who required rescue medication for joint pain. So seven in the methotrexate continue group, or 4.5%, and 6.3 in the methotrexate whole group required these. I don't know what to make of that. Just like the numbers for flu, it's not statistically significant. It's just a few patients. So at the end of the day, I don't think it's terribly meaningful. They also looked at adverse events from the vaccination, which predictably were essentially nil. I think it's obvious that I like this paper, but there are a couple of limitations. It was done in a single country among patients who were all essentially well-controlled in one disease holding one medication. The broad generalizability of this may be lower than you'd hope for. You could imagine that the risk of holding medications in someone who wasn't as well-controlled may be higher, or the risk in someone who had a different disease may be higher. You could also imagine that the risk of an infection in such patients would be higher. It's really difficult to generalize this to a broader audience of diseases or patients or medications. The most important limitation to, for me, though, is the surrogate outcome measure. They did not ask whether or not people get less influenza. They asked whether people have a better antibody response. For all we know, it doesn't really translate. It seems entirely plausible that people who have a better antibody response will be more likely to get influenza. But from this paper, and really from none of the papers that I've seen, are we able to characterize exactly how much? 
With that in mind, let's talk about how this has affected my practice. For starters, I, I find this somewhat convincing. If I'm giving the patient the seasonal influenza vaccine and they met criteria to be in this study, and by that I mean they have rheumatoid arthritis, on methotrexate plus a little something else, and they're in low disease activity, I will recommend that they hold methotrexate for two weeks afterwards. I don't feel strongly about this. I don't think there is compelling evidence that this is a super important change to your practice. But on balance, it's something that I've been doing and I feel is reasonably supported by this data. Now on to the next question, which is what I'm sure you all actually tuned in to hear, which is, what are we doing about COVID? The British Society of Rheumatology has guidelines. I just checked on their website, and currently it says to not discontinue anti-rheumatic disease medications when you get the vaccination. The Canadians also address this in a recent guide, guideline document. They kind of hedge. They say that this paper exists. This is something that could be done. You need to weigh against the risks of flares, which is true. It's notable that neither society has made definitive recommendations, and I think that's because they're right. There just is no data upon which to base them. That said, I'm a big fan of putting my nickel down, with the caveat that these are not recommendations for any particular patient, and I am doing this not with any large degree of confidence. If you're a rheumatologist, or if you as a rheumatologist are practicing differently, I think that that very well may be the right answer, and I could be wrong. For patients who would have gotten into this trial, i.e. they're on methotrexate, plus maybe a little something else, they're in low disease activity, I have been recommending that they hold methotrexate for two weeks after they get the vaccination. This immediately raises the question about the second COVID vaccine. Am I doing it for both? And the answer is no. The risk of flare goes up quite a bit if you keep holding methotrexate, and it's not entirely clear to me that this will bring about any dramatic change in your risk of future COVID infection, so I will do it once for the first vaccination and the first vaccination alone. With regard to other diseases, I have this kind of hedgy decision that I've made where if the disease feels like stable rheumatoid arthritis, then I will treat it similarly. So say someone comes in with Say someone comes in with psoriatic arthritis and they're on methotrexate, then I would consider holding it as long as they otherwise feel like they could have made it into this trial. This does not hold for other diseases that don't feel like stable rheumatoid arthritis. Things like lupus in a patient who has nephritis in the past, things like angiovasculitis in a patient who has had diffuse alveolar hemorrhage, I am not holding medications for the vaccination because for those diseases, I generally feel like the risk of a flare is quite scary, and it's not obvious to me that the benefits of increased immunogenicity would be worth it. What about other drugs? Well, I don't see any reason to think that a Janus kinase inhibitor would behave any differently than methotrexate. Most of our immunosuppressions would decrease your ability to develop an immune response to a vaccination. And so for drugs that I can hold, I will hold, provided that the patients themselves are not at risk of some organ-threatening disease if they were to flare. Rituximab is, of course, the most controversial and interesting of these for a couple reasons. The first is that rituximab wipes out your B cells in a way that feels uniquely concerning. Rituximab also lasts for a very long time, so if you get a dose of rituximab, you may not have those B cells back for anywhere from 4 to 12 months or possibly quite a bit longer. And rituximab is often given for people who have relatively severe life-threatening manifestations of rheumatic diseases. For rituximab, I have delayed doses here and there, but always selectively, and I have not put off rituximab indefinitely. 
when weighing a potential theoretical benefit to immunogenicity from a vaccine against a patient who had prior diffuse alveolar hemorrhage or glomerulonephritis or something that I really don't want them to experience again, I have been erring on the side of continuing the rituximab. I hope this was helpful, and I hope I did not get myself in too much trouble. I'd like to emphasize again that if you're a patient listening to this, that I really recommend you listen to your rheumatologist. The data here are weak, and I think that any decisions along these lines should be made in concert with the person who is taking care of you. I think that in many cases, it will be quite obvious that you should continue therapy. In some cases, it would be plausible to continue holding therapy for a short while, but this must be done on a case-by-case basis, medication by medication. If you're a rheumatologist listening to this, I hope this was helpful for you. Know at least that you're not the only one struggling to manage risk for your patients, control disease with immunosuppressants in an era when we're all battling an infectious disease. It has been a challenge and I empathize with you and you are not the only one who's going through this. To everyone listening, thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to share with friends and let me know what you think on Twitter. I'm at EB Room. Have a great day.